The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Drzebski for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like, me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. You know, unless you're wearing Philly red or you're, you're a Philly, they don't like you. You know, I love that. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shiel Kapadia here, joined by ace producer Cliff Augustine and from the Inquirer, Alex Coffey. The Phillies dealt a gut punch loss. They had a chance to take full control of the series. They blow a four-run lead. They waste a gem of an outing from Zach Wheeler. They lose on a wild play. Uh, as you were saying, Alex, uh, before you came on, they can't do, you know, anything that normal. So we should have probably seen this coming once they were up for nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I think any Phillies fan would have taken a split in Atlanta entering um, the series and they would have been more than happy with that. But it does feel like the split lost a little bit of his luster going back, um, going back home now after a demoralizing loss. Um but I will say they do have a knack for losing game twos and then bouncing back the next the next game. They did that last year. And um, last year's game two loss in the NLDS to the Braves was pretty demoralizing, too. It was like a shutout loss. Um, 
and they came back and scored nine runs in game three last year. So I don't know, obviously, if they're going to be able to repeat that or not, but um, yeah. but they do know how to like turn things around pretty quick. Yeah, on all like the text threads I'm I'm on with, you know, Phillies fans, it's been this like same sort of you know, level of coping, like right after the game. Oh, my God. Wasted opportunity. What were they? Then, like, eventually it gets to, well, you know, they, hey, they still have to come to Philadelphia and the series is tied. So, uh, so much I want to get to. Alex is in Atlanta. Obviously, she covered the game. So, I, I have a bunch of questions uh, for her. Let's start with this. Let's start with the last play. Before we zoom out, let's dissect some of the stuff we saw from game two. Last play, Bryce Harper on first. Nick Castellanos gets a hold of one. You're watching going, is that going to go out? Is that going to hit the ball? What's going to happen here? Michael Harris makes the terrific catch, gets the ball to the infield, and uh, Bryce Harper gets thrown out at first base. Uh, what did you learn about that play? What did, were, what, what did you hear about that play? What did you see as that play uh, was unfolding? Because that's one that I think, um, obviously, if the Phillies lose this series, maybe even if they don't, knowing Phillies fans, uh, that will stick in their heads for years to come, the way that game ended. Never seen anything like that before. Yeah, it was a unique and deflating way to end the game. Um I think that Castellanos thought it had a pretty good shot at getting out. He said it like got the good part of the bat and he felt like he drove it pretty good. But, um, but obviously Harris made a great catch at the wall and that's a credit to him. Um, as far as like Harper goes, um, he didn't really have many, you know, he wasn't really like full of regret about the decision to run towards second base. I think what he was thinking was more like if the ball does drop, then he could score if, um, you know, he was like thinking about like tying the game up and thinking that he could score from first if the ball did drop, but obviously it didn't, it was caught. And then he had to scramble back to first. Then by that point, you know, they had thrown him out. So, um, so yeah, I, it didn't really seem like he or anyone really like viewed that as a flawed decision. Um, but and I, I personally don't either. So what's going on in the press box for you at that time? Are you on like deadline? Like, all right, this is the last play I have to, did you like, could you figure out what was happening in real time that he was about to get doubled up? Cause it was easy for me. I'm watching on TV and uh, Brian Anderson had a really good call of it. Like he was all over it with the catch and, you know, way ahead of it that they might get Bryce Harper at first base. What was it like for you watching live? Cause I think if I was watching live, it would not have computed for me until I saw like, oh my gosh, he's about to get doubled up the split second before it happened. Yeah. I mean, when games are that close, I'm generally just like doing play by play. So I have like all the facts in front of me and, um, and that was what I was doing. It was just like writing what I saw as quickly as I could. And then, you know, like clean it up after the fact, after I go down to the clubhouse and talk to the players. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely frantic and it, it was like very abrupt, you know, like the energy shift in there, like from the seventh inning on, you know, it, it felt like Truist Park was like dormant from like, for like the first 15 innings of this series. And then from the seventh inning on tonight, it felt like they were like starting to get momentum back, starting to get momentum back and then ending it on a play that was like, so like put so much wind in their sails and the brave sails was um it seemed deflating from the Phillies perspective. Uh, yeah, you thought you might get, you know, at least one more at bat there, even if, you know, he makes the great catch and all right, well, you still have Harper at first and you see what happens uh with the next at bat. But um that didn't happen. Like you said, Harper was, I think, rounding second, it looked like mm -hmm. uh on the replay there. 
And, uh, you know, Rob Thompson, I heard, um, you know, you, you were all asking him about it after the game where he said, yeah, normally you want to stop it uh, at second there. But I'm with you. It's like we've watched Bryce Harper enough to know that he's going to be aggressive on the base pass every single time you're down by one run. He feels like he has a read on it. If Harris doesn't make the play and Harper scores, we're all saying incredible job by Harper having a read on it, getting the jump uh, and scoring from first on that play to tie the game and potentially send it into extra innings. So it it just kind of fits with his character, his personality, the way he approaches base running, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not always going to work. And it's like, we love it when he runs through stop sign and scores and you know what I mean? But this is like the flip side of that is, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes a guy makes... Like I saw it more as like Harris made an incredible catch, you know, than I did like Harper made a bad decision, if that makes sense. Like I I don't know. Yeah. Um so that was my take on that play, but people can disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with Harris and Austin Riley, by the way. I mean, I didn't notice until like seeing the yeah. replays that holy cow, yeah, if he wasn't right there where he was supposed to be and scoop the ball in one motion and makes a great throw to first base. I mean, that yeah, all around, like a lot of things had to happen. For that to end in a double play. Yeah, like really, really quick. Um, so that was, I mean, honestly, like my main takeaway from this game was just like how quickly the momentum shifted because it it's, was just really quiet in there for the first game and a half. And then uh, it felt like life was injected back into the ballpark um, in the last three, like three or so innings. So it was an abrupt and quick change. But I think if there's any way to take the life out of this Braves team. It would be, you know, forcing them to play two games in Citizens Bank Park when they're making Spencer Strider's life a living hell in game four. And, you know, I don't know. That seems like a pretty, like, pretty good momentum killer, I'd say. Yeah, what was the sort of tone in the locker room? Were they just like, hey, let's turn the page and they got to come to Philly or were they, um, where they sort of like shoot? Because I think what you said is right. I mean, it really felt watching it like, oh my gosh, like, wait, they can come back to Citizens Bank Park up 2-0 and then you're just feeling like, you know, you're feeling great about it. Now it's like, wait a minute, now you kind of uh, awoken this 104-win team with this unbelievable lineup and now all of a sudden, you know, if you just look at gambling odds or whatever, the Braves are again the favorites in the series, what was kind of the tone? What did you see uh, in here in the locker room just with kind of the messaging? Yeah, I think that they were um, frustrated. The The message was, you know, we did what we needed to do. Like we came down and got a one, one split. And um, I think it was Castellanos who was like in a perfect world. Like we would have wanted to make it two zero, but, um, but like we did our jobs one, like we got the split and now we're going back home where we, have the best home field advantage in baseball is like the way that they're, that's what they're saying. That's what the message is. And, um, um, but I think that there is like frustration and disappointment and it doesn't all hinge on, um, one thing. Like, I don't think it all hinges on like Thompson's decision to pull Wheeler when he did, or like Harper's decision to run to second, or like, I feel like this was the accumulation of like mistakes that they made earlier in the game. Um, like not capitalizing with runners in scoring position against Freed, who wasn't as sharp as he could have been. And like Turner's defensive miscues, like there were a lot of like, you know, things that happened in the earlier innings that um, I think if they had won, it would have been like, like they got away with it, but, um, but obviously like they didn't win. So now we're going to point to those, (laughs) those, those mistakes that bit them in the end. 
Yeah, no, th those are some things I definitely wanted to ask you about as well. Zach Wheeler, I mean, I'm watching that game thinking, all right, we're, we're definitely leading with this set. This is like one of the great Phillies pitching performances I've ever seen. He goes six and a third, uh, three runs, two earned, three hits, 10 Ks, one walk. He goes back out there in the seventh, uh, gets, uh, you know, Olsen singles, but then he strikes out Ozuna, Ozuna, and then obviously Darno hits the uh, home run to make it 4-3. What did you think about, you know, the way Rob Thompson kind of handled that? Were you surprised that Wheeler was staying in um, that far into the seventh or surprised that he came back out in the seventh? Or was that just one of those things? Like, he was pitching really well. Let's not overthink it. The guy kind of got him in the end. Yeah. Um, I think he was at 85 pitches after six and it looked like like his stuff like like his stuff was like a little bit more like flat towards the end of um towards the end of that inning and then definitely in the beginning of the seventh um so I was a little bit surprised especially given like how quick of a hook he had in game one like that was the story of game one was him having a quick hook and it paying off and um yeah. making sure the Braves didn't get like too long of a look and um yeah, I, uh, again, I don't think that like the game was ultimately like decided by that one decision. I feel like a lot of stuff led, led up to that point that kind of bit them. Um, but I was a little bit surprised that he was still in there. And Thompson said after the game that he, um, you know, he didn't really notice a difference in his stuff and that he didn't have, didn't give any thought to pulling him after the sixth inning. I guess they talked about it after, like after the sixth inning and, uh, and Wheeler said he was good and Thompson, you know, just decided to roll with it. But, um, but yeah, definitely proved to be a costly, um, a costly move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way he was just mowing them down and how stress-free it was through yeah. what six of those innings. Uh, I can't really blame him. I mean, I'm always on the side of like, if the guy's pitching well and he doesn't have a crazy pitch count, leave him in and see what happens. And we kind of saw, I mean, you know, he had the strikeout right before the home run, like the strikeout right before to Ozuna. It looked like he looked like he did the entire game and then he gives up the home run. So uh, I'm not going to crush, you know, I think that's yeah. just like a sort of a coin flip type decision. Um, and I don't have an issue with sticking with the ace there. And then cousin Jeff comes in and it's like, there's nothing to analyze here. He's been amazing all season. And yeah. that's another one. Like, I don't have a great question for you. Like, should they, it's like, listen, sometimes relievers they pitch well the whole season they come in in a big spot and they give up a home run but you know like yeah. i feel comfortable confident uh when he gets in there but he of course gives up the two-run homer to austin riley uh in the eighth but i mean th there's nothing else to really analyze there right oh he hung a pitch and it was exactly where it shouldn't have been um you know like the the plan against the braves tonight it was like obvious from how wheeler was pitching was like elevated fastballs and like nasty breaking balls and keeping them off balance with that. Um, and I think his uh, Jeff or Hoffman's pitch was uh, I think like low, like, I don't know, like it was kind of in like that sweet spot area. So yeah, it was definitely, you know, not in the ideal location and yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that there's like much to analyze there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that you can point to like all these things, you know, hanging a pitch in the wrong moment, like Turner, making two errors, um, them, you know, the lineup not capitalizing when they should have against a pitcher that was like clearly, um, you know, clearly struggling and a pitcher that they, they kept in, they didn't have a, a quick enough hook for him. You know, like he was, he, we were yeah. about how, how like 
Freed was still in the game past the fourth. And I mean, the fact that they let him have as much of a leash as they did, I thought was surprising. Um, so that was an opportunity for the Phillies to capitalize on and they didn't do that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's, uh, you mentioned the, the Turner two errors. Like I didn't get a good replay on the second one. I don't know mm-hmm. if you did like that kind of ended up, you know, not to, like you said, it's never just one thing, but that ended up being a huge moment when yeah. you look at it. I mean, they lose by one run and you think there's no way Acuna is scoring from first on that play. Albie singles. And next thing you know, like the cameras going to Turner going to pick up the ball and they're like, Acuna's, you know, cro- crossing home plate. I mean, did you get any insight or get a good look? Was it just a bad bounce? Did he just kind of kind of miss it? What what happened there? Yeah, he said that it bounced higher than he expected it to. Um, that it like hit the dirt and I guess it like took um or it wasn't as high of a bounce as sorry, it wasn't as high of a bounce as he expected it to have. So that was why he I guess he misplayed it. But um, you know, credit to Acuna for like watching what was going on in the field and like you know, keeping tabs on that. So he knew what to do. Um, like, you know, was having like informed base running decisions, um, you know, cause he scored like pretty easily. He scored standing up. So, so yeah, that one ended up being much more costly that error, but I do think that his first error earlier, I think it was in the second inning was that was like on a routine play, like a routine ground ball. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know why that was one that he had trouble with, given like the miraculous play that he was able to make a night before, like the night before, you know, that double play in um, game one. But, um, but yeah, he, uh, he, he, I thought that that was like the worst, the worst like of the two, but the second error was more costly, if that makes sense. Cause obviously a run. Yeah. Right. The first one ended up being inconsequential. Like they didn't, you know, they didn't score there or anything, but you're like, all right, that's weird. That looks like a pretty routine play. Uh, And he just kind of booted it. And then the second one, you couldn't really tell exactly what happened. Like you said, it was a little weird, uh, the bounce there. Uh, And then that ends up being a run that they they score in a 5-4 game. All right, let me take a quick break here. Come back a few more questions and then we'll let Alex be on her way as she gets ready to cover the rest of the NLDS. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. 
but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right. We are back on the Ringers Philly special. One thing I, I meant to mention with Castellanos, I was looking up like the, uh, the numbers on that hit. That hit had a 6'10 expected batting average, went 392 feet, and would have been a homer in five of 30 ballparks. So oh, it's wow. like, oh my goodness. It's, and when they showed the replay, I mean, it really was. Like if that went, you know, 395 feet, I would say, that, that's yeah. probably a home run. And we're talking about a go-ahead home run um, in game two of the NLDS. Instead, yeah. it turns into a du- double play. Yeah, and then that would have been like the ultimate gut punch to the Braves, you know, like just when they think they have their momentum back, Cassianos kills it again. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's like one of those fluky baseball things that you just kind of have to flush and um, move on from. Um, yeah. Yeah, but credit, like I said, credit to Harris for making that. I mean, it was an amazing catch that he made at the wall and um and Riley too, you know, like getting the ball over in time. And um, yeah, it was, it'll be interesting to see like how they show up in game three, because um, I do think it's going to be difficult for the Braves to like sustain this. Um, Even if they do have the momentum right now, that ballpark is like, it's, it's just hard to, um, you know, it's hard for opposing teams to win in, to put it simply. (laughs) Yeah, we saw it. We saw it. Uh, just last year. And in that, you, you were pitting that alternate, you know, you know, we'd be, and then I'm like, wait a minute, then I would have had to watch Kimbrel, uh, in the ninth. And I don't know that my body would have been able to survive, uh, Kimbrel out there in a game like this, in a one, one run game. So maybe it's for the best for the long run that they just lost the way they did. Like you said, it was abrupt. That's the thing. It wasn't like leading up to it. Yeah. It was just like, bam, all of a sudden. Okay. Look ahead to game three. So now that I think about it, maybe this was the better outcome, uh, if they were going to lose. Uh, the runners left on base, 11 left on base compared to two for the Braves. Like it's wild. Just looking at the box score here. Uh, first inning, they leave the bases loaded. Bryson Stott uh, hits a grounder there with two outs. Second inning, Turner grounds out with Rojas at second. Uh, fourth, Bryce Harper with the weak grounder with two on. And then maybe the biggest one was the sixth inning. They had two on for, uh, Harper and Real Muto and they both foul out, um, in that spot. I, I don't know if one of those instances or something else stood out to you or if there was something uh, anyone said or if it's just like, hey, we've, we've all watched baseball games where the team yeah. leaves a lot of people on base and it was just one of those. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for the Phillies, it became a much bigger of a storyline than it probably should have because they ended up blowing their lead. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I think that that one that you mentioned, the two pop-ups with Harper and Real Mutos, that's the one that sticks in my mind just because it was such a pivotal spot. And, um, you know, that's the heart of their lineup and they really could have like blown it open and created a little bit more, you know, add some insurance runs, create a little bit more of a buffer. Um, but, you know, they didn't. And obviously it's like tough when everything is coming down to like the final out, the final, like it's all coming on like Castellanos' shoulders, like, you know, like really like bringing it down to the wire. Um, you know, we've seen the Phillies pull off wins like that before, but, um, 
because they, you know, like there's some crazy stat about like how many come from behind wins they have. They've had like so many come from behind wins this year, but it's just like, how many times are they going to be able to do that? Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to do it every night. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens in, uh, in Philly. I feel like, um, it's going to be tough for the Braves, especially with Strider pitching game four, it's going to be tough for them, um, to, um, like sustain the, the momentum that they've built. But, um, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. So let, let, let's finish with that. Let's talk about these games. So Aaron Nola, uh, gets the ball in game three pitched awesome in his first outing here, pitched great in his final two starts of the regular season. Are you on the side of, Hey, it looks sort of different and maybe he's figured something out that he's going to take with him to the rest of this postseason, or are you on the side of it's baseball, it's three games, everybody relax. I have no idea how the guy's going to pitch on, uh, on Wednesday. Where do you kind of come down on that after, you know, obviously having talked to him and, uh, talked to people around the team about what they've seen over the last three starts. Yeah. I think that, um, at least like from the team perspective, everyone is really encouraged by what they've seen and, um, they think that he's hitting his stride at the perfect time. Even when guys like get on base, he's not allowing like, like a ton of like that one big inning, like he was, um, earlier in the season and through like most of the season, honestly, like it's like one big inning would like blow up on him or it would be two big innings and, you know, he wouldn't be able to kind of like recover from that. Um, but recently it seemed like he's done a better job with like managing guys on base and making sure that like things don't implode, um, which is obviously super important in the postseason. So I think that um, the Phillies are feeling good about where he's at and he's feeling good about where he's at. Um, so yeah. And then obviously like home field advantage, which is big for them too. Yeah. What, what, what a big spot. I mean, given the season he's had, we talked about this in like our, playoff preview uh podcast just like you could kind of reshape not only his season his legacy i mean he, if he comes out there in game three series tied at one and delivers a, a strong performance and the phillies win that game i mean that that is huge just in terms of how a guy uh is remembered fairly or unfairly the rest of the playoffs i think is going to really factor into that with Aaron nola for the braves we don't know yet who's starting for them yeah, is that right or did did we okay i don't think they've announced it's probably going to be bryce elder but i don't think that they've announced um who it like officially announced who's gonna who's gonna do that i mean i guess in theory they could use a bullpen game but like um like their version i feel like they're them using a bullpen game is like not the same advantage that it would be for the phillies who have like one of the best bullpens in baseball you know like yeah it would give the braves much of an edge to do that um, so we'll see, but, uh, but I don't think that they've announced anything so far. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good point when you just look at the next three games, it's like, all right, they're going to have Strider in game four, but you know, you have Nolan Wheeler in two of the three games and they don't know what they're getting if they have to pitch freed again, or if they go with somebody else. So uh, I think that's definitely an advantage for the Phillies there for the Phillies. It would be now is you think it's definitely Ranger Suarez in game four? Like, is there any chance he would pitch out of the bullpen in game three if things go badly? And then obviously uh, Wheeler in game five. Is that sort of how it's uh, shaping up to you? Yeah, I mean, I think anything is possible. They took forever to announce uh, <laughs> the game one starter. So I don't anticipate them letting us know what they're going to do in, um, in game four until like the absolute last minute. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it, I think a lot of it's going to depend on like whether, you know, like what they do with their bullpen following Nola's start on uh, in game three and um, 
Chris Sanchez is a guy that hasn't pitched in the postseason yet. So there might be like, a, he's like well rested, but there might be like a degree of risk at this point. Maybe if he's like a little bit rusty, I don't, I don't have like his numbers on extra rest in front of me, but it's been a while since he yeah. last pitched. Um, but he like, he's someone that they could use to start, um, start game four. Um, so we'll see. They haven't in, announced anything yet. There you go. All right. So back to Philadelphia uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, I think it. Just, I think most Phillies fans are probably thinking they fooled us into thinking this might be a little bit easier than like you know twenty four hours, like forty eight hours ago. You were probably thinking, all right, it's going to probably go five games. Let's just get one down there, and then like in the fifth inning of this game, you're like, wait a minute, is this going to you know are they just going to like take it to this one hundred and four win team uh, that probably was never how it was going to be. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Strider in game four in that environment, uh, the fans are going to be fired up. By the way, uh, the one thing that annoyed me, and you, you know, you are a, a reporter who covers this objectively, so you don't have to comment. But one thing that annoyed me, I mean, Pilar on the call third strike from Alvarado started walking to first base. Give me a break. I mean, that that was a strike by any measure. And then Strider's yelling F you to the ump from the dugout. You calm down too. I know. That annoyed me. I know. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, go back, take a look at it. It's like, it's like Angel Hernandez telling Harper the other day, like that terrible call. And he's like, when you look back, like, you'll know I was right. It's like the ump should have, like, the ump should have said Pilar. Because he actually would yeah. see that that was a strike. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it was, uh, and even live, I'm like it, that. What I mean, it was close, but it wasn't like that close. Like it was clearly a strike. So uh, those two guys annoyed me. So whoever's going to the game Wednesday and Thursdays, uh, make sure you're you're uh, booing those guys uh, appropriately <laughs> and letting them uh, <laughs> letting them have it there. So uh, it's one one coming back to Philly. It's a wasted opportunity. But they're in a good spot. Uh, Cliff was reminding me to let the audience know we'll have a same game parlay for game three, thanks to our friends uh, at FanDuel. So check that out on Ringer social media channels. The Braves, again, the Braves are favorites in this series. They're minus 158 now. Phillies are plus 128 on FanDuel. So that flipped uh, with this game. Braves are actually favored uh, in game three by a healthy amount, which that kind of surprised me also. Oh, last thing, I had to, I mm-hmm. had to laugh at... Uh, this Alex, I, I like to have a, a moment in these games where they're so intense, where I can just start laughing at something because baseball is a ridiculous sport, uh, and we enjoy doing that. Uh, Christian Pache's slide <laughs> in in the fifth inning. I mean, what? I, I think I have a softball, you know, eight eight and under practice later this week. I think we got to start practicing that. Just slide. You don't even need to be anywhere near the base. Just kind of distract the guy, reach your hand out, and get it in there. But I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. What a slide that was. Yeah, he was like two feet away <laughs> from the bag. I don't know where he was going. Um, <laughs> It was a very strange Christian Pache game because not only did he have that slide, but they had a picture of him on the um, on the scoreboard that looked like like it was clearly not his body. It looked like they like photoshopped his head and like stuck it onto like someone else's body. Um, very strange, very strange. And I was like, Belb and I were like, is this like the Braves' way of like sticking it to their former prospect or something? Like what? Like Christian Pache revenge game or something? But like. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that slide was totally bizarre. I mean, whatever. He figured it out. He got his hand on the back. <laughs> but he was not close. That was awesome. <laughs> 
Yeah, I like the idea of some yeah scoreboard operator or something. You know, like th- this was they've been working on this for like weeks. Like, here's what we're gonna do when Pache is off. He doesn't start game one. They're like, we're gonna you know no one will notice. We won't get in trouble for this, but we'll know uh, what we're doing there. So yeah, I saw you tweeted that out. That was uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> From Pache. Funny stuff happens with Christian Pache, I feel yeah. like. I don't know. It, yeah, whether he's playing well or not playing well, funny stuff is going to happen around him. All right, uh, Alex, what do you have to plug here? Everyone, I, I'll give you a plug. I mean, uh, Alex wrote a great story on Nick Castellanos and Weston Wilson that it might like jaw was just dropped. I'm like, wait, what? He's staying in the bit, the tattoo. I don't want to give it all away, but you know, as uh, you always want those great nuggets that you had no idea about with these players. So that was an awesome story. Everyone should read. Uh, what else? You you can plug the rest of the stuff. Thank you. It's funny with that story. Um, everyone was focusing on the fact that uh, Wes Wilson is living in um, Ben Simmons' former house and in like the gaming room that was like Ben Simmons' former <laughs> basement. <laughs> and I'm not a sicko, so incredible. I, I like don't yeah. like, put two and two together. But of course, like everyone else did. <laughs> so I forgot about that honestly until yeah I saw I saw some tweets about it. I'm like oh yeah that that is Ben Simmons' house it adds another uh, layer to it so yeah um, yeah don't worry it w- it was great without that it didn't need that yeah yeah no it's so funny <laughs> um, other than that I've got a story on um, Sir Anthony that I wrote uh, two nights ago that just is looking at his last outing in Game One and whether or not it could be the outing that like propels him. Um, into a run over the course of the postseason because that was something that happened to him last year in the wild card series in St. Louis was he struck out um, Alvarado or not Alvarado Arenado and uh, Goldschmidt and then like kind of went on a run after that um, and it seemed like in his outing in game one he was able to like bounce back after getting himself in a little bit of trouble two strikeouts in a big spot I think it was Acuna and Riley and then. Um, was able to get himself out of the inning. So the Phillies are hopeful that maybe that could be the start of something big um, or start of something good for him. Um, so just to look at that, you know, and they they seemed like pretty similar situations. That'd be huge. Sir Anthony Alvarado and cousin Jeff. Those are the just, you know, with the relievers, you're just like, when this guy's coming in, how does, is my heart beating? Do I feel okay? Those are the three guys that come in. I'm like, all right, it might not work out, but I feel okay. Um, with it now, Sir Anthony, that was sort of like, I need that to be that version, uh, of Sir Anthony, like the guy we saw last year right now, it might just be, uh, Alvarado and cousin Jeff. But as we saw in this game, who knows? It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. You trust a guy and uh, he, he gives up a home run there. So anything can happen. All right. Thank you to Alex Coffey for joining me after she wrote her stories, press box. Now she's getting ready to go back to Philadelphia cover games three and four. Check her out uh, in the Inquirer and inquire.com. Thanks to Cliff for staying up late producing. We will be back on Tuesday, breaking down the Eagles film with Sean and looking ahead to week six against the Jets, and then two more, at least two more Phillies postgame pods this week on Wednesday and Thursday as the series returns or comes to Philadelphia for the first time. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we will talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 